podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ten seconds to go. Jaron dribbles into the front court. Drives to the bucket. His shot. No good. Put back up and in by Trayvon Scott. Cincinnati by one. Rose from half court. His yeah! shot. And he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! As Ritter catches the shotgun snap, five-step drop from the 10, fires deep down the middle of the field, Tyler Scott is open, over the shoulder, catches the 38, sprinting away from the Red Hawks, into the end zone for an 81-yard touchdown! It is a nip-at-night knockout! And the fans are beginning to charge the field here at Nippert Stadium. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast. This is a bonus episode of Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats week in and week out. If you haven't already, make the rounds on social media and follow us on Twitter and Instagram for our daily content and clips. You can also follow us wherever you're listening on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts and be the first to hear our new episodes every Friday. Don't forget, if you enjoy the show, make sure to share us with your friends. You can also follow us at Viva La Cats Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and feel free to check out more from Steve at UC Uniforms on Twitter and IG to stay up to date on all things Bearcats Unis. So we're going to try to wrap this into a sort of quicker episode, but we wanted to cover Bearcats basketball for you guys because uh, a lot has changed since we last covered basketball on this podcast, which was a very long time ago. Um, but to, I'm just going to do a quick summary of what's happened since. So the last time that we talked basketball on this podcast, Trayvon Scott had the game-winning tip-in against Temple in the regular season at home. It was a 64-63 matchup. We had both Cumberlands. The tournament was canceled, and John Brandon was still the coach. The last time that we covered basketball, Micah Adams-Woods was the only guy playing on the floor that is currently on this team, minus, of course, Sam Martin and Rob Banks, who didn't really have any minutes then. Clearly, it's been a while, and it's only been one season in between. So, what the hell has happened? Because this team is completely different. I mean, it's it's not even remotely close to the same team. There, it, it's there's not even a skeleton left to like try to compare these teams. This is totally different. I kind of feel bad too for the guys because um, you know, for a while, UC basketball was the biggest thing at this school, and we would be playing football, playing football, but eventually when basketball season rolls around, it turns on. Yeah. But within the past 10 years and you know, w- w- more recently within the past three seasons, football has been the number one thing on every Bearcat fan's mind for the entirety of like the entire fall season. Like We were all in on football until January 2 last year and this year. January 2 in 2022 for the 2019 season started in late August and went all the way till the second day of January. So, but right now the Bearcats basketball team is kind of living under the radar right now. And we can talk about what else changed in, in that time span. Um, But there's a lot to like about this team, but they're kind of living under the radar because football's got such a big bright lens on it. And, 
yeah. basketball is going to have a chance to just make its own way this year. And a lot of new names, a lot of, a lot of guys that we know from before, mm-hmm. but are still going to be here. And I think there's a real chance for the basketball team to return to prominence once again. So Justin, can you just give me like a small, I've been under a rock for a year and a half. (laughs) Is John Brandon still the head coach of the university of Cincinnati men's basketball team? Absolutely not. John Brandon is not the head coach of the university of Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team. Darn. That sucks. Brandon was forced out by the AD. There was a big legal problem that came up, but, I would have been fine with letting Brandon go on good terms, whatever. It it seemed like it was kind of incumbent. The Bearcats weren't doing anything, but nothing really seemed as serious as it was, and it turned out to be because he was overworking the players in practice. There was a lot of animosity between the players and the team, and he really lost control of the team. None of the players respected him anymore, and it didn't seem like any of them really wanted to play for him unless, you know, maybe there was a few that were still kind of in his system, but... At the end of the day, he had freshmen that he had just recruited, and we lost basically all of them. You look at a guy like Tari Eason, who came in like this was our this was our guy, like he was going to be one of our biggest recruits as of late, and he he blossomed in his freshman year, and he looked great, and he was out the door the end of that season so so fast, and everybody's like, what happened? And very quickly, I mean, when we were following this, there wasn't really like there wasn't really much else going on. So like there was a ton of basketball talk and week in week out, like every single day we're watching the story devolve and it becomes more and more like another player transfers out. Everybody entered the transfer portal. And I think at one point we might've only had three or four guys on the roster who weren't in the transfer portal, which is insane, especially considering the, you know, the seniors that we had too, that we lost. So losing Eason, losing Harvey, losing a lot of these, like some of these, top 10, top 15, like all-time recruits was huge. And Brandon got very quickly wrapped up into it. And everybody just, I guess, parted ways. It's kind of hard to remember. It's all sort of a blur. But we're looking at a very different team now. And so what did they do in the meantime? They had to go hire a coach. Who are you going to hire? We all thought it was going to be Nick Van Exel because they passed on him for Brandon. They, you know, it, Everybody wanted it to be a UC alum, and it didn't end up coming to fruition because I think we actually got a very good hire in Wes Miller. Wes Miller knows his stuff. He's proven it over time, and he's been able to be this sort of pupil of Roy Williams, who is you know the famed UNC coach. So we're, we're in this position now where we have a young, very, very young head coach. I don't even remember how old he is, but I'm pretty sure he's under 40 right now, which... For a head coach, sorry, 38, 38. So for a head coach in any position to be leading a team of, you know, this historic caliber that we've had um, is huge. Wes is in a very, you know, very pivotal position and he's got a lot of promise and I like how it looks. And so far, it looks like he's the guy who can recruit because we've got a pretty solid recruiting class and it stacks up against the big guys. And it's not just a thing of, you know, okay, cool, we have this new guy and, um, you know, we're going to be moving into the Big 12. Like, Wes seems like the guy who can recruit and Wes seems like a guy that players want to play for. Um, and and, and I, I love that. And I think that, like, if you look at how Wes's recruiting stacks up so far, I'm going to jump back real quick, a little flashback to 2016. 
So, in 2016, mixed recruiting class landed at 63rd. He had Jaron and Noss in that season. And Noss, I think right now, is at Old Miss? Somewhere was in there? he still there? I thought he was at Miami. He was at Miami, and he transferred again, because I think he had an extra COVID year of eligibility. Oh, okay. so I think he's at Old Miss. Miss. Yeah. Um, in 2017, 58th recruiting class, he had Keith, Mamadou, Trevor Moore, and Elie Sosemi, which, again, is another great recruiting class. But look at this. So 2016... Okay, 2017, you're looking at four years now, but you also add an extra year of COVID eligibility. You add all these extra things. Not a single one of those players is on this team right now. Keith, Mamadou, Ellie, they should all be seniors. They're gone. They're out of the picture. Nobody's left. So then you look at the 61st ranked 2018 class that Mick brought in. Logan Johnson, Rashawn Fredericks, Laquil Hardnett, Prince, all of them gone. And then, like, it's crazy because... 2018 was only three years ago, and all of these recruits have just up and left and transferred. And it's, you know, it, it makes sense because we went through Brandon, and then there's another new coach in the system. But there's no familiar faces. There's no, there's, we don't have that senior who's been here, you know, four years and is that tried and true guy like we had, like with Gary or with Troy. Like we don't have that stud that's just been the pinnacle of a Bearcats basketball team and it feels really weird because now it's just a bunch of like you said kind of random faces that are mixed together and we're trying to figure out what that identity is real quick i'll also jump to this brandon's first class in 2019 was ranked 44th his class in 2020 was ranked 48th with tari saunders and lockett and so now we're looking at this new team under Wes miller and he currently sits at 17th so Mick is recruiting in the 60s. Brandon's recruiting in the high 40s, mid to high 40s. Wes already has a top 20 recruiting class off the jump. I think it's huge because he's recruit. The thing is, Mick had the ability to recruit the big guys, but he didn't want to because that wasn't his system. He wanted to break them down and train them to be, play his system, which made sense. He had great players and he had a great team and it was consistent over the years. It made sense. But Wes is going out and getting those guys, getting that talent, getting those guys to make those hard, um, hard commitments. And it's, it's nice just to have that sort of comfort where it's like, well, if they didn't pan out, then, then we can look at the problem. But it's nice to have the sort of prospect of, we have a lot to look forward to. Uh, and there's a lot of young, young faces, young players, a lot of transfer guys, obviously. But I think this sophomore class of guys that we have right now is very exciting. And if all of them choose to stay, use their extra year and play UC for three more seasons, guys like Jeremiah Davenport, obviously you mentioned Mike Saunders. Um, I don't know if you mentioned Mason Madsen, but those three guys are going to be the core of this next generation of Bearcat basketball. And I'm really excited to see what goes on with it because one, I, a guy like uh, Jeremiah Davenport, he's the classic UC player from back in the day mm -hmm. who has, takes a lot of pride in playing for UC, having that name across his chest and, you know, going to be a really good player. He, we saw definitely some flashes of him near the end of the year Mason Madsen, uh, he said he doesn't want to be known as the white shooter, but he <laughs> like if like he's been like you know he's been playing well. He he shoots the ball pretty well. And I think he has a chance to be a dog on the defensive side of the floor. And I think 
you know, obviously Wes is focused on defense for sure, but the thing with Brandon, and it kind of happened in the 2019-20 season, not as much last year, obviously. Uh, we hired him, one, I think Mike Bone hired him because he was like, oh, yeah, that guy's right across the river. He's pretty good. Let's just invite him on over, you know? Uh, right. no, relocate, um, no relocation, no relocation cost. package. Yeah. Um, and then, but the real thing, though, that I think Bearcat basketball fans have been calling out for ever since we've been returned to being good, returned to, you know, greatness in basketball is just a more pleasing offense, a more mm-hmm. like an offense that's not based around one guy, an offense where you're not going to, if the other team scores 70 points, you're like, we might not have it tonight, guys. Less rock fights. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're, as a, as a city, we're a fan of defense. We like defense. It's not like we're averse to defense. I think every sports fan likes a good defense for sure. Yeah. But having a good offense, especially in basketball, is a game changer. And, like, you know, you can shut down one guy, but if the offense is humming on one night, you can't shut down the offense, you know. And I think if Wes can bring something like that, I'm not going to tell you that I've watched every Wes Miller game from UNC Greensboro, and I know exactly what he's going to bring, but – He's talked about wanting to bring offense and wanting to bring a defensive style to UC. And I think by the end of Mick's tenure, people were just so off-put by how much emphasis he put on the defense and deflections and everything we've, all, the whole entire Mick Rolodex of, of words about how to play basketball. But, you know, now, like, I think we're just, like, happy to not have, uh, just not have, like, the, like, I thought that, oh, yeah, it's going to be a rock fight. It's going to be, like, 40 minutes of just, like, back and forth, like, oh, here comes a shot. Are we going to try and play it down to the shot clock and just, like, hope we can get something up? My hope is that we can have that offense back, like, have, like, a competent offense with us. So I'm looking forward to having some kind of offense to watch I'm absolutely with you on that, too, because – there's a game that I always go back to and it, like, and I, I'm going to get my head chewed off by one of my friends. <laughs> I look back at this like Xavier game that we had, I think in 20, I think it was the 2017 or 2016 season. Um, Trayvon Blewett came in there and he blew our heads off. He was like eight for eight in the first half hitting every single three and we ended up winning that game, I think, you know, thankfully, according to our defense, because we were just able to sort of start to lock him down. But we've never had that guy who would just come in and just, I mean, Jaron could hit threes and, you know, he had a sort of system, but we've never had those, that offense that is just uh, so overwhelming. And like, and I don't even know if Wes is going to bring an overwhelming offense. I just want a consistent offense, but it would be awesome to just have somebody who could come into an arena and just piss off their fans, just draining thing, like shot after shot after shot in their face. And like, like I said, I I always come back to that game because I remember how like annoying that was. But I remember thinking too, like we haven't had that. We're, we're like the opposite of that because we're that annoying on defense. And then with Brandon, I don't, we had some kind of mixed bag in there. And I don't think we really had that identity. And then, of course, we got to the end of the season and we were pulling off those wins. We had what? That, I mean, talk about a cardiac cat season. I think we had six, seven overtime games that season the, yeah. that ended up being the tournament got canceled with COVID. 
it it just felt like everything was starting to like everything was just down to the last minute and there was no game where we could just take over and and so i think now with wes i think that's going to be our biggest goal is can we hit that takeover meter can we be that team that once we get that lead it's going to hold it's going to be true it's going to be like it, you you you're not going to be able to keep up i've i've waited for that for so long because defense is great in basketball but it only holds out so long it's different with football defense you can shut teams down in football basketball you have to score and you have to score consistently and you have to keep pace and so i i'm really excited to see how Wes will transform that but there's one thing that i really wanted to touch on here that's very interesting considering um what we talked about before with all these recruits and sort of um where all our players sit now is our class dispersal um this is pretty interesting but right now we have three grad students we have two seniors we have four juniors, five sophomores, and we have one freshman. And I think a lot of that can go thanks to, of course, you know, you lose a coach at the end of the year, and then it, the hiring cycle, and then you bring them in. So Wes's 2022 recruiting class, fantastic. We're going to bring in at least three, maybe four freshmen. And I don't know how scholarships are going to work with all that. I'm not one of the... I like paying attention to some things, but like scholarships, I just, I find that nerdy. I, I can never keep track of if it's on a scholarship or not, but... Anyways, we have three grad students and two seniors. So that's five people that are gone after this team this year. You know, maybe one of them has an extra year of eligibility. We'll see who hangs around um, and we'll see how that kind of plays out. But you look at that and then the fact that the class after that has four juniors. So next year, we're looking at a team that's going to lose four players. And those sophomores, there's going to be five juniors that next year. In the year after that, we're going to lose another five. But at the same time, the cool thing about what we have right now is we have five sophomores, which is really cool to look at the future of this team because that's five sophomores, two of which I think can start right now, two of which I think are in a position where they can actually be those guys night in, night out. And that's really good if you can develop those guys because if there's anything that's tried and true in basketball, football is different. I think that it's just... There's so many products year in and year out. But if there's anything that's tried and true in basketball is you can have this all-American freshman team, like a Kalapari team or like a Shashevsky team. But if you have a stacked team of five seniors, it doesn't matter how many minutes they've had over time. They have that chemistry together. And you see a team like Baylor this year was loaded, and it's because they had so much senior and like junior talent, and they had grown and developed together. And I'm just hoping that we can retain all of these players and we can retain all of these recruits to stay in the team and grow together because we're looking, maybe not this year, we'll, this year might not be that year to like really hit our stride. I think we have a lot of promise, and I think it'll be a great season for us, and especially to sort of evaluate how we look. But that first year, in the Big 12, I think we could really make some noise because if we're looking at that 2023 season, that's five seniors right then and there if they all stick around the team and we don't have jumpers. And you know that happens, but the only reason we've had jumpers the past few years is because Mick left and then Brandon left and then, then Wes comes in and so you lose a guy like Keith, which I think really sucks. Keith, I, I thought, you know, we, we all looked at him going to the NBA and then he pulled out of that and then decided to go to Western Kentucky, which great for Keith. I love him. He's a very nice guy. I've had multiple conversations with him. Great. 
I think that that's a good move for him. I think it works. I'm just sad to see him go as a Bearcat because he was that guy who would have been the guy to stick around. He was the only familiar face left, and now he's gone. So, and, and I say familiar face, but just that guy who came in as a freshman, who would have been the senior, who would have been the like tried and true leader of the team. And now we're looking at this team as who's going to be that guy that steps up. I think you and I can both agree it's got to be the Cincinnati guy and it's got to be Davenport because Davenport cares and it just shows. It shows, and it, it, the way he responds to fans, not only on the court, but also off the court, he feeds into it, and he cares about the school. So I'm excited to see that, but I, I feel like I've been talking a lot too, but there's just so many different things that we can cover in basketball. So we'll try to wrap this up pretty quick, but um, the biggest difficulty, of course, that we kind of mentioned here is how do we evaluate a team without any of these guys having five of them on the floor at any given time starting together like it's just you you have david and you have micah and you have mason and you have um davenport and you have like you have these key players but we haven't really seen all of them on the court together all of them play there's been no minutes to evaluate so um i guess i'm kind of just wondering what are your expectations um looking at you know the first few games that we're gonna have of the season what do you what would you like to see one, uh, stop letting guys just go right to the hole. Because in the games that I did watch last year, that was a common theme of guys just like, here you go, but go right to the basket. Um, another one is just the ability to shoot three ball consistently. I think that's just that's just how basketball is going to be now. And until it changes, we should be on the wave. And um, I would like to see us shoot, if we can, 30 35%. I think that'd be great as a team, you know. Uh, and then final thing is just like, enough dumb of the dumb turnovers and i think with mikey and with david julius like david julius is definitely an experienced guy mike likes to play likes to play flat fast but i think if he can settle it down and play well i would just enough of the turnovers those just annoy you as a basketball fan like to see like how many turnovers especially in the college game they can get up there so what about you? You want to give us your three things, and then let's let's close it real quick on just like a a blind pick of how many games you think we're gonna win. So, blind pick of how many games we're gonna win. Okay, give us give me your like your couple things, and then we'll oh do yeah, a blind yeah. Pick okay. And we'll get out of here. Well, very quickly, I would like to mention. I think for a starting five, it's gonna be very hard to pick a starting five right now. But if we're going based on sort of like seniority experience wise. I think a conservative lineup would look like DeJulius, Adams Woods, Davenport, and I think maybe even Otto because he is a grad transfer, but he's a board pounder. This is a guy that we haven't seen before because he just came from Mississippi State, but I think we're going to just try to go to that solid lineup, just everybody play perfectly to their position. But my point that I want to see, because we've talked about this now, I want to see that high caliber offense and I want to see that offense that speeds teams up and that just drains the team that's on the floor. You know, you can have that come off the bench, but I'd like to see that off the jump. And so if that's going to be happening, not to knock my guy, David, but I think it's just for my personal desire of I want to see this team young and I want to see them grow together. I want to see Saunders, Micah Adams-Woods, Davenport, and then Otto, and as well as maybe, I'd say, Madsen in there. But the problem is, I love Madsen being in the starting lineup. My issue is that you can't have, like, four guys under 6'4", 
under six five. And of course, Davenport's six seven, but <laughs> like even a pace and space offense, I think we could really make work. So I would like to see that lineup happen. Um, we'll see what happens because we've got about 20 days left now. The Bearcats basketball season starts in about three weeks. So it'll be exciting to see what happens here. But again, I, you're going to have to remind me of your question because I'm trying to hit those points. Ah, blind, blind, uh, blind record. I would say, I would say we're going to hit a solid 20 wins this year. I think it's possible. Um, I think that's a bit of a, still a bit of a high number, but I think Wes is a great coach from what we've seen so far. And if he can continue that level of success here, and he's clearly been able to bring some amount of chemistry to these players and make them believe in his system. I think if that system hits its stride, we're hitting at least at bare minimum 20 games, but I'm going to say 21 games we win this year. And maybe depending on our schedule, look at the edge of a tournament spot, maybe just have to play in. I was thinking 22, um, just because this conference is not that good. We don't have as many hard games as last year, and I think we have a real chance to maybe as, if we can get rolling halfway through the season and if we get hot, win a couple of games, I think we have, can make some noise in the conference. But I'll say 22. Absolutely. I think that's a good one. I don't think we're going to be – I don't think we're going to be stealing one away from Memphis, but I think that we'll be able to uh, at least split with every team in the conference – other than maybe them, and probably roll through a couple, uh, win the home and aways with the other teams. So, again, we try to cover as much as we can, as quick as we can. This is a big topic, and we'll start to get into it more with the coming weeks, just because Bearcats basketball is going to be starting. That first game is against uh, Evansville in a few weeks. Um, but we'll probably leave the Bearcats basketball talk until then, just because football's got that shining light on it right now. And there's a lot to talk about, and we don't want to keep you guys forever. So, again, thank you for tuning in to this Bearcats basketball bonus episode. Um, if you enjoyed it, please remember to share this with your friends. Make sure to like and follow. Follow us at Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Take care.
Sports Social Podcast Network.